0: good morning and a very warm welcome to our service this morning. My name is Adrian and I'm the vicar and it's good to welcome you. If you'd like to discover a bit more about what's going on in our parish and how you can be a part of it, please go to our website, Uk, where you'll find everything that you need. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, please know that we'd love to hear from you. As we begin our service today, let's pray together. Almighty God, who called your church to bear witness that you were in Christ reconciling the whole world to yourself, help us to proclaim that good news of your love, that all who hear it might be drawn to you, through him who was lifted up on the cross, and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and for ever. Amen. So let's worship together.
1: I cannot do Father I place into your hands the things that I've been through Father I place into your hands the way that I should go for I know I always can trust you
2: trouble me. Father, I place into your hands the person I would be, for I know I always can trust you. Father, we love to
1: see your face. We love to hear your voice. Father, we love to see rejoice Father we love to walk with you and in your presence rest for we know we always can trust you Father I want to
3: The reading is taken from Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 20. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one but if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, If two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our great Redeemer. Amen. The whole scenario in today's Gospel reading begins with one disciple being aware that another has sinned. And the sin isn't specified. Most of the later New Testament manuscripts follow sin with the phrase against you. So some of our English translations include this. If another member of the church has sinned against you, go and point out their fault. Interestingly, though, the earliest New Testament manuscripts don't include this phrase. That's why some English translations, including the NIV, simply say, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Understanding this changes the whole way that we read this passage. The purpose of these instructions is about a concern for the spiritual welfare of a brother or sister who's fallen into sin, and it's not about settling a personal grievance. For example, it's about gently rebuking a person who shouts and screams at others until they get their own way that this really isn't how Jesus calls us as Christians to behave, rather than giving a person a really good piece of your mind because they happen to shout or scream at you personally. It assumes, as the whole passage does, that the person raising the issue is right and that the behaviour being criticised is self-evidently wrong. The point here is that sin isn't to be brushed under the carpet in the church and it should be dealt with appropriately when it's noticed. But the church is called to do this with love, with care, sensitivity and concern, and with minimum exposure to the person that it's addressed at. Jesus says that there should be a conversation between you and the person who's sinned, that is, the person who's acted or spoken in a way other than the way that Jesus calls us to. This isn't a licence to attack somebody who's hurt or slighted us personally, but it is a reminder that even if we've witnessed that somebody hasn't acted as Jesus has commanded us to, to another member of the church community, the right course of action isn't to start gossiping about that person, or to start spreading the story as far and wide as we possibly can, but to gently address it privately with the person themselves. Such conversations should always be tempered with mercy and humility, and if we struggle to do that... A really good place to start practising is to remember that we too are human beings and even at the time when we're wishing to address somebody else's sinful behaviour, somebody else may be wanting to address ours with us. Our role in this situation is the role of the pastor rather than the role of the judge. Do you remember Jesus' words to the crowd who gleefully stoned the woman who'd sinned? Let him who has no sin cast the first stone. And just like that, one by one they put their stones down. And to the woman whose sin had been forgiven, Go, and don't do that sinful thing any more. Jesus is our model for conversations like this when they're needed today. If the matter can be addressed without getting others involved, that'll keep rumours and misunderstandings from multiplying and it will prevent lots of pain and conflict from spreading. If the gentle rebuke can be heard, can be accepted and acted upon by the receiver, this is by far the best outcome for both the individuals concerned and for the church community. The ultimate objective isn't to win the argument, but to encourage the individual in their ongoing relationship with Jesus. Something that breaks down if we actively think, act or speak in ways that we know Jesus doesn't want us to. In love for our fellow Christians, we should care about them being in danger of losing their close relationship with Jesus. Something that's reflected in the verses immediately before this passage, in the shepherd's delight in getting back his sheep. This is about helping a brother or sister find their way back to the path of discipleship to a life that's lived out like Jesus. The passage goes on to instruct that if the initial one-to-one approach isn't successful, the second step continues to keep things low-key by calling on one or two others to address the issue with the individual concerned. Now there's no suggestion that these hold positions of leadership and that they should be selected. The role here is to back up the concerns of the initiator – and to endorse that the matter raised is serious and needs addressing. Again, this should be done with humility and with love, whilst all are aware that their own lives need work in order to reflect more closely the ways of Jesus. In Old Testament times, it was widely accepted that multiple testimony was needed to secure a judicial conviction. In the New Testament... That principle is used in a variety of settings, and it's understood to apply more widely than in a strictly judicial setting. The suggestion here is not that a court should be set up to pass sentence. Nor is it suggested that the one or two others were present at the offence, so they can't act as witnesses in a legal sense. So what's going on? The idea is that together we might be able to appeal to the individual who has acted in an ungodly way, to help them recognise this in themselves, so that they might be able to address it and return to the ways of Jesus. Finally, the last resort, which all the earlier steps have been designed to avoid, is to tell the church by telling, the implication is by public statement when the community is gathered together rather than by a whispering campaign. This should be avoided at all costs, but it may prove to be inevitable if a problem is to be solved. In biblical times, the object of this kind of gathering was not to pronounce a judgment, but to strengthen the pastoral appeal in the hope that the disciple may yet listen. Only when somebody is able to listen are they able to hear, to accept and to apply what's being discussed and to decide to change their own ways. The aim is not to humiliate but to plead publicly with a member of the church family in order to address the issue that so far not been able to be addressed privately. Jesus instructs that only when the disciple is not prepared to accept the united testimony and the counsel of the church in this way should they be regarded as no longer fit to be a member of the community, as a Gentile or a tax collector. The language of Gentile or tax collector follows conventional Jewish assumptions that both non-Jews and Jewish collaborators with Roman occupiers, as tax collectors were, morally inferior and outside the acceptable holy people of God. Reading this today seems unduly harsh but remember that it's clear from Jesus's encounter with the centurion and with the Canaanite woman that the good news of the kingdom had been extended to include Gentiles and tax collectors and by now Matthew's readers would not only have been aware of that but would have themselves included Gentiles too. Jesus came to minister to Jews, to Gentiles, and to tax collectors, to all of us who've sinned. He views everyone as lost sheep who need to be found, forgiven and healed with love and compassion. If we're to follow his example, we need to remember that we're still called to actively love even those who don't engage with such loving rebukes. In today's context, it's an extremely rare event for somebody to be asked to leave a church community. For that to happen, the sinful act would need to be one of a very serious nature indeed, one that put members of the church at significant risk, and it would no doubt be referred to the appropriate authorities. Jesus' church is a family that welcomes all, where everyone should feel safe, know his forgiveness for previous wrongs, and be able to be discipled in their walk with Jesus. More common in today's churches would be that individuals who refuse to address genuine areas of concern and rebuke regarding ungodly behaviour may no longer be able to hold positions of leadership within the day-to-day running of the church setting, because leaders influence others And the church wouldn't be serving its people as it should if its leaders chose to behave and to speak in ways that negatively influenced others and drew them away from walking in the way that Jesus wanted them to. Many of us prefer to avoid conflict and confrontation with others. I know that I certainly do. For many of us, it's much easier solely to forgive and to forget a hurt or a wrong that another person's committed – without addressing it with that person. Forgiveness is important, and anger and grievances stored up can fast become very destructive to our own peace of mind and our own relationships with others. But not addressing the issue at hand with the offender doesn't help that person either, as the problem continues and it has the potential to become much worse in their lives and to cause them to miss out on many blessings that could come their way if it was dealt with. And that, although it's easier and less confrontational, isn't real love in action. The way that Jesus describes, though it's uncomfortable, is a way towards reconciliation with other people, and towards peace with our own souls. It's a way that's healing and life-giving, And it's the way that God chooses to relate to us too, wanting each of us to choose life rather than dying because we refuse to accept his forgiving grace. The way that Jesus describes is costly on both sides. It requires honesty and humility to broach a sensitive subject, the willingness to make ourselves vulnerable in upsetting somebody else, even when reaching out to do that in love. It requires a humble listening ear to hear what's being said to you and the bravery to reflect on your own character and to address areas that need addressing. The way that Jesus describes may be lonely when we approach somebody and we're met with a refusal to engage. We may feel rejected and ashamed when a specific fault of ours is brought into the light and worry about being judged by the person who highlights it. This is the way of the cross, and it's perhaps when we feel most alone, most rejected and hurt, that Jesus is closest to us and keeps his promise to be with us always. This is really hard stuff. It's a challenge and I hate it myself, but I know it's needed if we're to flourish as individuals and as a community – so let me end with a challenge one for you and me both it's obviously much easier to brush things under the carpet and to take the easy way out but let's begin to hear jesus's words and to act on them gently and lovingly challenging each other to address those things about ourselves that prevent us from living like jesus let us too actively seek to be challenged by others to be ready to hear well, to heed and to act upon those loving, fair observations of ourselves that will enable us to be a better witness for Jesus wherever we find ourselves. Amen.
4: Let us pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you for being here in the middle of our lives, in the the middle of all the chaos um, of the last six months, and in the, the new hope and the excitement and the anxieties as the world starts opening up again um, after lockdown. God, I want to thank you that you're an active, living God who's been part of every single experience we've been through good or bad and if we trust our bible and we trust you and and in you jesus then we know that even even when it's been hard you've been in the midst of it god even if we can't see you or understand you we know that you are there just like on a cloudy day the sun is still there even though we can't see it thank you god for being alongside us these last six months and we thank you for the opportunities now available to us And I want to lift up all the children and university students and high school students who have started or are starting back in school this week and next week, God. And I pray for the teachers looking after them and the parents who are sending them off and welcoming them back home and all the family members involved as well. Lord, there's lots of excitement and there's also lots of anxiety and unknowns and getting used to very new things. I pray for the students. Lord, would you comfort them and give them courage and would you help them build friendships with their peer group again very quickly. And we pray for the teachers that you would give them wisdom as they lovingly look after um, the students. In this very new world of schooling, give them wisdom, give them strength and give them encouragement, uh, give them ideas. And I pray for students and teachers alike, Lord Jesus, would you protect them from um, transmission of coronavirus. Um, help everybody to, to stick to the, the safety measures, God. Um, help people not to be too anxious, but to, to be, be safe and be sensible. And I just pray your blessing over the openings of our education system as well. And think as well of all the university students that are preparing to go to uni, whether that's online or face-to-face again. Lord, be with them all, I pray. And Lord, we just think about the the Bible passage from today and, and what Adrian has spoken about. And it's quite uncomfortable reading and listening, conflict and addressing conflict and actually Dealing with things we'd rather not deal with. And honestly, God, I think that's where we really all are. It's much easier, God, to sit and complain in private than actually uncomfortably address certain issues with people, even in love. But God, we're reading your word and this is what? This is your model. And it's how you want your church to act. And forgive us, Father, when we haven't done that and we've let things slide and that hasn't been the be- for the benefit of us or others. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us too much to keep us as we are, and you always want us to grow more and more like you. And you don't come down on us, um, with a hard-hearted judging finger, but you come down on us like a loving parent who just wants the absolute best for us and our lives. God, would you help us to love our Christian neighbour, our ch- fellow church member? that much too to love each other enough to in love share concerns and and raise issues that need raising and god no one likes to hear about their faults it's hard god would you help us when when we are at the other end and and people are sharing stuff we probably know about ourselves but it's mortifying to know that other people are mentioning them but god would you help us hear and listen when such words are spoken to us. And where there is truth in them, God, would you give us courage to acknowledge them and seek you um, for help to grow. And learn to live and act in the way that you want us to, which is is a blessing to us and those around us. And I pray for our relationships with other church members. I pray for relationships with our immediate families that we live with and our close friendship groups. This is a really thorny area and not one that's talked about much. Lord help us to act out in love what you are instructing us to do from today's passage. And Lord God I thank you that as well as schools opening up more that um, churches around the nation are beginning to open and I I pray for wisdom for our Archbishop um, and our vicar, and all the people involved with actually getting churches up and running and face-to-face services again. Lord God, would you give wisdom and help in enabling that to happen. Um, And may it be a real blessing the first time we at St. Catharines are able to meet. Thank you, God, that through the whole of this time you've been with us. And you're going to continue to be with us because that's the kind of God you are. You are close to us. You're not far away. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
1: People come together Strangest neighbors Our blood is one Children of generations, of every nation, of kingdom come.
0: our service draws to a close for another week. Can I encourage you to remember all the opportunities to meet together online throughout the week using Zoom for our prayer meeting, Bible study or a coffee morning where we can enjoy fellowship together. I'd love to share too that after significant preparations we now feel able to begin to reopen the church for face-to-face worship. Things will be very different for some time to come, and during the week ahead I'll be writing to you with more detail about how and when we plan to reopen. Our aim, of course, is always to keep people safe and to keep people well. But for now, may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.